When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go on our Thursday Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Doug Lamarie, Scott Patsko, Mary Kate Cabot, Ashley Fastock, and we are recapping Wednesday at the NFL Combine. I'm getting my days confused already, but we're recording this on Wednesday, and today was a, a big day. Wide receivers, quarterbacks spoke, Kevin Stefanski spoke. Uh, we're going to go through some of the stuff we wrote today, some of the things we heard. Mary Kay, let's get started with you. You put up some insider nuggets you've picked up here in Indianapolis over the last couple of days, and it starts with uh, one of our favorites to talk about on this podcast, and more specifically, one of Scott's favorites, Richard Higgins. <laughs> yeah, you know, really, uh, I've spent a lot of time over the past couple of days just, you know, working the, you know, the lobbies and you know, different areas of the combine where you run into people trying to find out as much as I can about what's going to happen with their own free agents and also other plans that they might have in mind. So uh, threw out an insider again today with, uh, I led with Richard Higgins because we all know how bronze fans feel about Richard Higgins. People still are sort of obsessed with him in some ways, him and David Njoku, they, they move the needle. And so anyways, Rashard Higgins, I've been told, you know, will not be back. And I, and I have been, I've been saying, oh, for real this time? Yes, for real this time. He's not going to be back. He will go somewhere else. But, you know, I, I never say never in this business. I just never say never. And uh, we were joking beforehand. Scott, you'll probably weigh in on this. But uh, with Rashard, you know, there's always that little, little, little sliver of, of doubt of whether or not he'll actually really be gone but it's supposed to happen this year that he moves on. So that's number one. We can talk about some of the other ones if you want to, or if you guys want to weigh in on, on Richard, go ahead. We'll, we'll get to the other ones, but Scott, you have the floor. This was always part of the plan. The, the, the narrative that the Browns hate Richard Higgins cannot be true if they resign him before free agency. Of course they were going to let him go. Uh, I, I'm not questioning Mary Kay's sources, I'm just saying maybe they're not uh, maybe they're not telling her the whole truth as far as the back end of this goes. I like it would not surprise me if he goes out there in free agency and then, you know, a month later he's back because that has actually happened before. Um, two like months every I time. <laughs> yeah, I believe the first time it was two months. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, they'll bring him back. He'll have an awesome season. Like I've said before, he's an even year guy. Yeah, he's an even year guy. 18 was great. 19, not so good. 20, great. 21, not so good. 2022, it's Richard Higgins' time to shine. And if it's not here, it's not here, but he's going to go somewhere and he's going to play well. <laughs> I mean, Doug, we've spent the offseason talking about, well, the, you know, Jarvis Landry is probably going to get squeezed out because of the, the remaking of the receiver room. Certainly, Richard Higgins has to be in that mix, too. I mean, if we're going to remake the receiver room and, oh, hey, Richard is still here, maybe he's just going to be like Milton from Office Space. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Rashard Higgins. It's nice to be reminded of him on this. It's like, hey, everybody's at the Combine. What should we lead the podcast with? How about Rashard Higgins? 
<laughs> Can we talk about Garrett Wilson and Malik Willis? No, listen. I mean, it's he's one of these guys, right, that you think about he had the ball in his hands against the Chiefs near the end zone in a playoff game two years ago. But I think as you try to be a better team, like this is what happens, right? If you're going to be better, if you're going to elevate the receiver room, where does Rashard Higgins fit into that? So I'm, I'm, this makes too much sense. And uh, Scott, just because he might not be a Brown anymore, doesn't mean you have to stop talking about it. So you can try to figure out if his new team hates him. You know, he's going to go win a Super Bowl next year, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be walking the red carpet of the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, Ashley, between covering the Browns and covering the Cavs, we need you to come up with a, a catchy nickname for Scott's Rashard Higgins segment, segment every week. On the, this, uh, on the podcast is this a part of the ashley fixes it segment that yes. has become a fan favorite i assume <laughs> yeah no scott we I'm, I'm very sorry if this happens that you won't get to talk about him as much in the same context but we'll we'll have to make a space for it it can be like the richard higgins memorial corner let hosted by scott patsko or something that's the best i can do right now after a full day at the combine the red okay, carpet the other- with richard higgins there you go <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah the other um, kind of significant piece in here um, that we haven't really addressed much on this pod is Case Keenum and it's a looming roster bonus. And Mary Kay, you mentioned that he has a $1 million roster bonus due on March 19th. Look, everybody has said, and, and we can talk about this in a little bit, but everybody here, Kevin and Andrew, have kind of backed Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, we talked to quarterbacks today, so those could be backup options. They could sign a backup option. You know, you advocated that, uh, Mitch Trubisky could be one of those guys, Mary Kay, but I guess what's the likelihood because of this roster bonus, the case Keenum is, is maybe gone before March 19th. Well, it just accelerates the, the decision-making process. They really have to make a decision. This is due on March 19th. They're going to have to know what they're doing with him, but they don't know yet. I mean, his agent is going to meet with the Browns here. They don't have an answer to that yet, because as we said before, they don't know if they are signing a veteran quarterback like a Mitch Trubisky if they are trading for one or what they're going to do and that next move will dictate what happens with Case he's got a pretty big cap number over eight million dollars and you know if you decide you want to go that plan b route that we talked about on our Mayfield matrix then you bring in let's just say Mitch uh, because that's just an easy example you bring in Mitch you pay him what he's worth Um, you know maybe you have to pay him 10, even $11 million to get him to come here with what's going on in the NFL right now. And in that scenario, you let go of Case Keenum. So uh, his future is contingent upon what the next move is at quarterback. All right. Anybody with some with Case Keenum, strong Case Keenum thoughts here? If the Cute. Browns quarterback situation in 2022 is Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, I'll be disappointed. That if it's like status quo and a fifth round pick, I don't think that's enough. So then that means that Baker's going to be here probably. So then that means I, I don't think Case Keenum should be here. I think this is a, a spot for them to upgrade or save money or do something else. I think his value has run its course. Yeah, I think we're past the point of when we talked about them initially bringing Case Keenum in, like a big part of that was that he's somebody who could help Baker Mayfield learn. Like I think we're far enough into Baker Mayfield's career now that he doesn't really need that, nor should he need that at this point. If he does, it's kind of a main problem. But also when you look at how Baker Mayfield struggled this year in some of those games, and especially we know how Kevin Stefanski hates turnovers, 
You look at that Packers game where two of those four picks, there were no excuse for, which Baker Mayfield said, and they still didn't put Case Keenum in the game. So I, I just think I would like to see another option there and maybe a younger option and, and go that route instead of bringing Case back. Yeah, I looked it up recently. I believe he was the highest paid backup in the league uh, last year and would be scheduled to be the same uh, this coming season. I Somebody's got to have the highest paid backup in the league. And if it's the Browns, fine, but that person probably shouldn't be Case Keenum. It should be somebody who maybe a little more confident in coming in, uh, playing half a season. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's shift gears and let's talk about uh, what what happened today in Indianapolis. And let's start with look. It was wide receiver day, right? And the attention for Browns fans and Ohio State fans was very much on Garrett Wilson. Uh, Doug, I know you listened to Garrett Wilson talk. What, what did you kind of pick up? So, if anybody wants a deeper discussion of Garrett Wilson, I've Nathan Baird and I have recorded a Buckeye talk today that is up, and we did thirty five minutes on Garrett Wilson. We're not going to do thirty five minutes on Garrett Wilson here, but. Uh, one of my strategies going in was maybe to try to tamp down the Garrett Wilson enthusiasm because you don't want people to like him too much because then he won't be there at 13 for the Browns. So it was not as much of a, I've been at Ohio state guys in the recent past, Chase Young, Dwayne Haskins, um, different guys, Nick Bosa, where it felt like, like an introduction to the NFL. The, the interviews are just shorter this year and there's just less of a vibe to them kind of. Um, so it wasn't like a coronation of a guy who I think is the best receiver in the draft, but I asked him, can you be like Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase and make an impact right away? He said, that's my goal. That's what I'm trained to do. That's what I plan to do. And of course, some people know it. Maybe you don't. He went to the same high school as Baker Mayfield. He does have sort of a peripheral relationship. They've thrown together. Um, I asked Baker about him when Garrett Wilson signed at Ohio State. They threw a little bit during the pandemic together. Lake Travis is this big powerhouse in the Austin, Texas area. And so they come from the same high school. They're six years apart. So it's not like they're hanging out. But it's just an interesting little bonus. That's not why the Browns should draft him. But he was asked about Baker. He had some answers about Baker. He said, he's my guy which for like a kind of beleaguered quarterback, he Baker Mayfield needs a number one receiver, no matter where that receiver comes from. If it happens to be a guy from his high school who says Baker's my guy, nice little bonus, not a reason to draft Garrett Wilson. There's a hundred other reasons for the Browns to draft Garrett Wilson. One thing for Browns fans to watch, he's not the fastest guy. He Garrett Wilson said, I, people think I've heard people say they think I'm going to, I'm going to run my 40 in the mid 4.5s. I want to run faster than that. So again, Browns fans hope he runs slow. I'm not even (laughs) joking now. I'm not joking. You do not want Garrett Wilson to blow away NFL talent evaluators this week. I talked to somebody and he's good on the board, man. He's smart. They said that is, that's a, that's a good thing for him, right? He's going to do well in the interviews. He has everything else you want. Might help him get to 13 if he actually is slower than people think, because that's not the number one thing about his game. I I swear to God, I'm not joking. Hope don't root for good testing numbers because bad numbers. He's still a great pick for the Browns at 13. He can run a 6.8. The Browns should take him at 13. But if he runs in the four fours, he's going eighth. So that's where I am on Garrett Wilson. But I love talking to the guy and he's a great receiver. So, Mary Kay, how much does it matter 
that Baker Mayfield and Garrett Wilson have this sort of, I don't this sort of relationship. It's not something huge, but how much does it matter that they have this sort of peripheral relationship? Well, I mean, I think it's good from the standpoint of uh, they know that they'll, you know, go into their 2022 season together, but I don't think it's going to be a factor. In fact, I talked to some people about Garrett Wilson today. Um, and the people that I talked to, they think he is going to be the first receiver off the board. And, um, and I'm starting to think that he's not going to be around by number 13. So Doug, you're going to have to go on a major campaign <laughs> to, uh, can, you're going to have to put something out there about, uh, I don't know, maybe, a, a little, uh, irregular heartbeat or something like they did with JOK. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I was all maybe, in. I was all in. Something that. like, uh, like some sort of backdoor hush, hush, wink, wink thing, like the Browns do with Bernie Kosar. You know, well, if you could just minutes. get him to like skip down the forty-yard dash instead of running, maybe that's all it takes. And, and he doesn't maybe you don't have to go the whole health health issue. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, let's not freak out, everybody. I, he does not have that. I'm just saying that you know maybe uh, you know maybe he got a little excited when they, you know, when they put the blood pressure cuff on or something, I don't know, whatever. Um, but he, he's going to come out of here very, very highly regarded, but the Browns have enough draft capital that if they had to move up a few notches, you know, they could do that. They could spend, you know, they're going to have to go for the gusto. If they want this guy, if he is their number one guy, and I don't know if he is their number one guy, uh, but if he is their number one guy and he's supposed to be the number one receiver in this draft as of right now, I think, um, then they might have to to get a little uh, a little aggressive and go for it and throw a few other picks at it. Because I just don't know if he's going to be there at, at 13 in the conversations that I'm having right now. So, Ashley, if the Browns decided to trade up, we, we've talked so much about this whole draft kind of things could just sort of fall to Brown's way and they could have this, they could pick any of these guys, right? They could pick Traylon Burks. He might be the best guy, but I mean, I guess would, do you think they should entertain trading up if, if Garrett Wilson is their guy or should they let things fall to them? I think they should entertain trading up. If like, let's look at the big three between Garrett Wilson, Drake London and Traylon Burks. Like if they, look at one of those guys and are like, that's our guy. I mean, I saw like Mel Kuyper did a mock draft where he had him trading up to nine to get Drake London. If that's their guy like that, one of them might not be there. And if they don't want to risk it, they should entertain it. If they fall in love with somebody, because the thing with all of these guys is they're all good at different things. Like you're not comparing them exactly in terms of skill sets and traits and size they're all very different but if there's one of them if they like Garrett Wilson's separation ability if they like Drake London's catch radius they I think should entertain and see what they have to give up in order to move up to make sure they get that guy Scott what about you and Garrett Wilson yeah uh, yeah let's say it was for just, Garrett Wilson I I think they're all, I mean, they all each talked about, well, I heard Burks and I heard a little bit of Wilson after the fact, but um, like Burks, when I watched Burks, the way he talked and what he talked about, I thought, well, there's your replacement for Jarvis Landry. And, but that's just, that's Jarvis Landry. It's, that's not necessarily the kind of wide receiver. I think a lot of people thought the Browns needed to go out and get everything. A lot of people think more like Odell replacement or just somebody on the outside. 
not that Traylon Burks can't do that. Um, he can certainly play on the outside, but uh, a guy who they often hand the ball off to, a guy they have throw the ball, a guy who obviously catches the ball and does all these things. That's that's Burks. I mean, that's been his whole college career, and that's he talked about how he watches Debo Samuel, you know. But if you want a guy on the outside, um, you have to address that, and you know you're probably going to be without Jarvis Landry. So you're looking at multiple positions here. I don't obviously think they can get two of these guys. Um, so I think what they can do in free agency is probably going to impact who they ultimately go with, you know, uh, in the first round. If they, if they, if they address somebody who's a little more versatile and go inside and out, then, then maybe Wilson is the, Wilson's the target in the first round. And let me revisit real quick too the, um, the Baker connection with Garrett Wilson. Cause I don't feel like I answered that fully uh, before. I, that's not going to be a huge factor in this, in this decision. I mean, it's good that they would go into it having a familiarity and that Garrett Wilson would be excited about Baker Mayfield, but the Browns don't even know if Baker Mayfield is going to be their starting quarterback beyond this year. So that is just not a huge piece of this. And in some ways, um, you know, like I was wondering today, I was thinking, Hmm, is Garrett Wilson like really going to be excited about going to a place where it didn't work out with Odell Beckham Jr., you know, where Baker Mayfield struggled to get the ball to people. Now everybody thinks that he's going to be better next year, but it almost in some ways right at this moment could be a detriment in terms of just thinking about getting the ball to this star receiver that you're about to draft. Now, the other part of that is nobody ahead of the Browns has a quarterback either. So Garrett Wilson is probably going to go somewhere where it's not an established quarterback. The, I think the rough thing for the Browns is that both the Jets and the Giants have two picks before the Browns pick, which allows you to go. And they neither of those teams, they have young quarterbacks. They don't have star receivers. And you can take like a really solid pick of like an edge rusher or a corner. And then you can go for the gusto with your big number one receiver. So if he's too awesome, I like the idea of the Browns like trying to go up to get him, but like, I just don't, I don't even know if they can, they might be boxed out by teams that are interested in him. And I don't know where the Browns could get to make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we heard from Traylon Burks today. We heard from Drake London today. We heard from all sorts of people. I, I kind of came across a potential Jarvis Landry replacement too. And I don't want to get too far down. Uh, you know, we have lots of time to talk about these receivers, but uh I talked to John Michi today from Alabama as also as a torn ACL, like his teammate, Jamison Williams and Scott, a little bit like Traylon Burks. He talked about a lot of the same things that made me think, huh, that's, that's a lot of stuff that Jarvis Landry does. So, um, it, you know, it, it feels like they're going to be able to somehow find a, a Jarvis Landry replacement somewhere in this draft uh, who can do a lot of those things. Now we also got to hear from quarterbacks today. Um, Scott, you listened, I know, to Kenny Pickett. What, what was your impression kind of of the quarterbacks that you heard? Well, it was, it was tough to pay attention because I stood there for over an hour and a half waiting for <laughs> Kenny Pickett to show up. So most of the blood had, like, drained down into my legs, and I was just feeling really lightheaded. Um, no, but he finally did show up. I guess he, he was delayed at the, at the medical testing. Um, not that there was any issue or anything. But, um, yeah, big crowd of us waiting for, for Kenny Pickett. But when he showed up, it's like instantly you see that this guy is like a, a face of the franchise kind of presence, just the way he talks, um, the way he answers questions. Um, he kind of, you know, they, we, they brought up uh, his hand size issue, which apparently is 
you know, people are concerned about how big his hands are going to be. And you saw a lot of that Joe Burrow uh, tweet today, the quote about how he's going to retire after they told him his hands were too small. Um, but yeah, he said, he, you know, he just talked right through that and said, you know, well, let's see it. You know, I think my hands are fine, basically. Uh, but he talked a lot about the hard work and how long it took him. He was in college for five years and how long it took him to get to this point. It wasn't like it was an overnight thing. Suddenly it was a sensation. It, he kind of had to put in a lot of hard work over the years. He talked about his relationship with Ben Roethlisberger, um, just, you know, playing in Pittsburgh and just being around them. Those guys being at practices, Mike Tomlin. Um, so he has those relationships and he's kind of gleaned what he can from Ben Roethlisberger. He's show up at practices and he did not leave the bench area until Ben Roethlisberger left the bench area, just trying to learn as much as he could. So, um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing was this when you watch him talk, it's like that guy is going to be the Wednesday interview for somebody. And he's going to do fine in that, in that regard, how well of a player he turns out to be, who knows. But um, as far as dealing with just what it means to be that guy, uh, he seems like he has the right traits. Well, I'm going to admit something here. I went on a uh, went on a radio show before I drove to the to the combine earlier this week, and they said, "Dan, give us a prediction, something that's going to happen this week with one of these quarterbacks." And I said, "You know, I think, and this is based a lot on just talking to Mary Kay. I I think we're going to come out of this week, and a whole lot of people are going to fall in love with Malik Willis." <laughs> Mary Kay, I have fallen in love with Malik Willis, not to the point where I'm like, oh my God, you got to go draft this guy no matter what, but he was, he lived up to kind of everything you've said about him and, uh, and talking to you about it, you know, when you talked to him at the senior bowl and, you know, just really grounded. I don't know. He was impressive today, at least when he spoke. Yeah. Are you going to steal him from me, Dan? I mean, I are know. you going to claim Malik Willis yeah, as your don't. own? Don't fight. There's enough Malik Willis to go around, everybody. <laughs> All right. So what I knew you guys would find in Malik Willis was a really cool personality. Uh, he's got, you know, he's very dynamic. He's got that it factor. And I think that's important. OK, I, and I think Kenny Pickett has it, too. I think both of those guys have good leadership ability. And also uh, that reminds me, Doug, real quick. And I have to say this just to get you further depressed. I think Garrett Wilson, from what I'm hearing, is going to interview so well at this combine that, I mean, teams are just going to absolutely love this young man. And it's really going to be hard uh, to keep him from going before 13. Let, for that let me be clear. What, what were one of the sources you were talking to today? Was it me? <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I say about Garrett Wilson. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. But, uh, but anyway, so Malik Willis, uh, what I did like about him at the senior bowl, uh, I did. I liked his personality and I watched how he interacted with his teammates. He was really, you know, he's just a guy's guy, just a, you know, just a, you know, gym rat kind of a football guy. Uh, the other players really, really liked him a lot. I watched him interact with his parents. So that, that all stuff, all of that stuff seems good. And then his traits, I mean, his traits are intriguing. I mean, they're, they're tantalizing. I mean, to have that kind of arm strength and to have, um, you know, just to have that agility and to have that mobility and I think he's raw and he's short. I don't love the height. I don't love it. I don't, um, you know, if in a perfect world, if he had, you know, even two more inches on him, this wouldn't even be an issue. But I will say this, when I talked to Jim Nagy about him for a long time, the executive director of the senior bowl, he's a thing, the thing about Malik Willis is that he's so strong and so durable and he's really hard to bring down. So I think that makes up for a little bit of the height as does 
being able to throw from different arm angles and the mobility. So, like I said, I don't, I don't feel as strongly about him as I did Josh Allen coming out of the senior bowl in the combine, but still pretty darn good. He's a pretty cool kid. Can I make, is it, maybe we all agree on this is the second most important thing that's going to happen in the first round for the Browns who the Steelers drafted quarterback at number 20, maybe for real, like in what, in what affects the Browns. And I will say if the Steelers draft Kenny Pickett, I would be okay with that. If the Steelers draft Malik Willis, I will be nervous for the Browns. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Go ahead, Scott. I think it's more likely that Willis is there for their pick than Pickett. Yeah. It's, that's, that's hard to say. That, that, what do you guys all think about that? I mean, explain why do you think that, Scott? And, and what, do you, what do you guys I'm also just, think? Because I wonder about that. Just going off mock drafts, and uh, there's some sites that aggregate a bunch of them, and uh, Pickett is generally uh, a lot higher. He's the first quarterback off the board usually. And he said he was going to run at his pro day. He's only going to throw here at the combine, but he said he's going to run at his pro day, or he's probably going to run at his pro day, mm-hmm. uh, which, which will be interesting. A lot of, a lot of quarterbacks don't run. It's like Lamar Jackson didn't run. You know, a lot of mobile quarterbacks don't like to run because then they start getting the, Oh, maybe he should be a running back or a wide receiver stuff. Mm-hmm. They try to avoid that, but you know, there's a chance that this guy's as charming in the room as he was with us. And then he, throws really well in the workouts and his pro day is really awesome. That's kind of the scenario. I think where maybe he does shoot up the boards a little bit. I will be curious if the perceived quarterback pecking order gets reshuffled after the combine. And I think it's possible that it will. Well, remember too, when it was, um, you know, like Mac Jones versus Trey Lance, you know, I mean, that one was going to go, Either way, right up until the very end, I don't even know if the 49ers knew what they were going to do until the very last minute. I think they went back and forth and back and forth and ended up going with sort of the wave of the future dual threat quarterback. And I think that's sort of the situation here with with Malik Willis. He has what teams are looking for right now in terms of the dual threat ability. And he's got the um, and he's got the arm strength and there are issues. It's he's not a perfect prospect. Neither is. Well, nobody is in, in this draft. None of the quarterbacks are, you know, considered to go number one overall or anything like that. Although you never know. I mean, somebody could climb all the way up to number one to take one of these guys. You just absolutely never know. But, um, I, yeah, I do think it'll be interesting to see how they shake out. Yeah, Ashley, I guess to, to kind of take Doug's question and just put the Browns on it, if the Browns did take a quarterback at 13, uh, you know, like for me, I probably wouldn't. Love it, but I would be happier about it if it were Willis than Pickett because I can just I can see the upside there with Willis. I can see why they're doing that. Pickett is more of like a eh, okay, he can come in and be all right for this team for a few years. I, I think I'd be more excited, I guess, if they took Willis. That that ceiling is is so enticing. And yeah, I mean, you fell in love with him in the interview, so <laughs> we got to talk to him regularly. I think you would be very happy, but. Yeah, I do. I think his ceiling is more enticing and kind of like what Mary Kay said. I think the size is what throws a lot of people off um, with him. But I I know we've talked about this more and more at 13 if they were to do this and bring somebody in and develop them. And I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't be thrilled about this because I think there are some other pressing needs at receiver they need to address. But 
I think this is a guy who is enticing enough and is well-liked enough. I mean, I, I missed Malik Willis today, so that's why I didn't have as much to contribute on this topic, and I'm very sad about it from everything I've heard. But talking to Carson Strong, which was the one I was at today, you know, he brought up Malik Willis unprompted multiple times from just getting to know him over the last few weeks and going through the Senior Bowl with him and had nothing but positive things to say. It's like anyone who talks about this guy has nothing but positive things to say about him. So uh, there are definitely worse things that could that could happen dan to your point this is like the bachelor and mary Kay and dan have gotten to go on one-on-one dates with malik willis yeah. and ashley and scott I'm and i are just waiting, like standing out here in I'm the lobby a rose it's so upsetting ridiculous well you know i i was so glad that i did end up going to the senior bowl i wasn't sure you know sometimes you're not sure is it the right thing to do or not but when they sent all five of the top six quarterbacks there i was really glad that i went because i got an opportunity to to really talk to some of them. I mean, I really kind of get to know them a little bit in a smaller, uh, more intimate setting. And I remember, I mean, I talked to me to Malik Willis one-on-one for a few minutes, just about the encounter that I saw him have with his parents. And I saw how excited he was when his parents showed up. So we, you know, we, we got to know each other a little bit and I tried to, you know, just watch him and also make an impression on him so that when he comes here, he'll remember us <laughs> and cleveland.com. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there's a lot to like, there's a lot to like there. And you just never know. You never, never know. But I'm of the mind that, you know what, it's, it's worth taking a chance on, I think, a, a quarterback like that. If it works out fine, if it does it, you move on. Okay, let's take a break. And then we're going to talk a little bit of Kevin Stefanski on the other side. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, recapping Wednesday here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. It was Kevin Stefanski's turn at the podium today. And I've got to say, <laughs> he said more than Andrew Barry, but he also kind of said less than Andrew Barry. Like he talked more. There were more words. I don't know that he actually said more things than, than Andrew Barry said uh, when, when Kevin Stefanski came to the podium today. Let's start here. I, I wrote a little bit about the offense and you know Baker and Kevin kind of gave the the same Baker endorsement that Andrew Barry has given. Uh, he's not going to give up play calling. But again, the theme was sort of the scheme and how do you supercharge this passing attack? And you know, look, I do think it is significant that they promoted someone to quarterbacks coach, whether that was in part to keep him on staff make him happy as he was interviewing for OC jobs, or if it was because, hey, we need a guy in this position, that's the most significant coaching change they've made on this staff in in these three years, really, in a lot of ways. So I I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what to pull from Kevin Stefanski. Doug, you know, you were asking about the tight end stuff. I asked a little bit about the scheme stuff. Did you come away today feeling more confident that Kevin is going to be able to figure this offense out and kind of get it out of the mud next season? Uh, not based on what he said. I, I mean, I think that's possible that that could happen, but I mean, I did kind of think it was interesting that they, they, they changed the quarterbacks coach, right? Alex Van Pelt was the quarterbacks coach. And now he kind of is just overseeing everything. But then his answer was like, well, Alex is still going to 
basically be the quarterback's coach was like kind of the answer to the question. He was like, he's still going to have a very loud voice in that room. I was like, okay, so like what's changing exactly? So, you know, I tried to ask like, do, do you think a rookie receiver can come in and really help you the way Greg Newsom and JOK did last year? And he even said like, well, some guys can and some guys can't. So <laughs> I, I, like not really a read on much of anything. Um, Man, I wish there was a better answer to that. Someone give a better <laughs> answer to that. And it's fine because you're not a head coach to give interesting answers to the media. But these guys like to play it close to the best. And if it makes the Browns better, then so be it. But I didn't get much of a vibe either way on anything from Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> did anybody get did anybody get any sort of that vibe? I mean, it's just like what Doug said, like how he was basically like, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. It's <laughs> literally right down the middle of the line. Like it's impossible to get a read on anything. And I mean, Dan, we had this conversation walking back up to the workroom where we were like, he talked for 30 minutes, but what did he say? Because it, it truly that that was the perfect way to describe it. I mean, he, he talked longer than Andrew Barry and possibly said less, or at least didn't say anything that we didn't already know or can't already infer for ourselves. All right. Well, I thought, go ahead. Mary-Kay. I was going to say that I do think that something definitive came out of the Kevin Stefanski press conference that I thought was significant when he made uh, the move to make Drew Petzing, the quarterbacks coach, thereby freeing up Alex Van Pelt a little bit. I thought, well, maybe he's opening the door for Alex to call plays. I wasn't sure, but I thought maybe that's where he's going with this. And so then when he did come out and say that he is retaining the play calling duties, I thought that was significant and, uh, and very definitive. It was, you know, the stuff of headlines, of course. So, because that's what everybody wants to know. I mean, there, there were issues with it last year. There were puzzling things. There were head scratchers. Uh, it didn't always look right. Um, so I think that that was, I, I think that was a, a pretty significant thing, even though we had heard it before. This came after a move had been made in the coaching staff. So I, I, I did think that, um, you know, that that was the thing. I thought that that was the key. Here's, here's, what, here's what we're going to do moving forward. And, you know, that's the thing. How does everybody feel about that? Doug, how do you feel about that? Kevin Stefanski is going to call the play. I don't love it. You know, I, I, I think this team can, could use a guy at the top. I mean, you know, Ashley, you were asking about this stuff. Everybody's kind of asking about the divide in the locker room that players talked about and the offense and the defense weren't connected. And I just think when you free up the head coach to do all those kinds of things, then maybe that helps. Um, but I make a lot of comparisons with Ohio state in, in these ways, and they have an offensive head coach. And they made changes this offseason, and they leaned into Ryan Day still being the play caller. They changed a lot of other things to take other things off of Ryan Day's plate, but they want him calling plays. So I think it's probably not just Kevin Stefanski. I think there are other people in this organization that want Kevin Stefanski calling plays, whether it's the Haslam's, whether it's Paul D. Podesta or Andrew Barry, that like, that's why we hired you. That's what you're best at. That's what you do. And I know he didn't do it a ton in Minnesota, but this idea of what well, we'd rather take other responsibilities away from you rather than take away the thing that supposedly is your hallmark. So if that's what the organization decides, and it's not just sort of like a stubborn head coach, not wanting to give up the fun thing, but it's an organizational position. 
lean into strengths, then I guess I'm okay with it because both Ohio State and the Browns seem to be staying on those paths. The only way I could see him giving up play calling is if he's here for 10 years and he makes multiple Super Bowls. Like that just seems like same way with like we talked about this with Freddie Kitchens. Of course, he's going to call plays because I has there been a coach who's been a couple years into his regime and was hired for his offensive skill for his play calling who turned around and gave it up. I mean, it's hard to imagine that happening without like some dire consequences, you know, like a Marty Schottenheimer kind of thing where like you got to get somebody else. I think it was offensive coordinator back then. Um, or you're gone, you know. Um, but the other thing Kevin Svansky said that I thought was hilarious was when Dan, I think you asked him about personnel, and he said, we are not tied to 13 personnel. Like, they played it 14% of the time in 2020, like double what anybody else did. And then what did they do? They upped it to 21% last season. Again, just blowing away everybody else. If they're not tied to 13 personnel, I don't know what they're tied to. Yeah, it's... I've got to say, I do believe Kevin when he says that, you know, you've got to evolve and and you've got to be adaptable. And I know we've talked about it on this pod before, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I believe you can do it, but I also kind of need to see you do it before I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it's fine. Maybe this is the system they run and maybe it's how they're going to continue to build the roster and it'll work. But um, yeah, he, uh, you know, I still think we're going to see a kind of a tight end heavy scheme. It might not be all the 13 personnel, obviously. If they sign a receiver and draft a receiver, those guys have to be on the field. But um, I, I still think we're going to see the staples of, of what we've seen the first two years. You know what? I, I think that um, I think that it will be dictated by what they end up with on the roster. I really do. I mean, I know he has that in his paradigm, but I think that um, – I think he will adjust to a really good receiving core and better quarterback play. And it might not happen in 2022. It's going to depend on if the quarterback is, is able to run it. So if he is able to run it, then Kevin's going to call it. He is not tied to a scheme. He's just not. He, I mean, it's not like he called plays for 13 years and ran 13 personnel for 13 years. Right. I mean, no, I mean, he's only called plays for whatever, three years. So I don't think he's tied to it. I think he's trying to play to the strengths of his roster and the deficiencies of his quarterback in 2021. And I think he will run a high flying explosive offense. If he has the arm talent and the receiver talent to run it. Okay. So Ashley, we also had some more stuff from Kevin Stefanski and it sounds like maybe a yoga instructor. Maybe it's unclear. We got Kevin Stefanski did a good old fashioned broadcast tease when he talked to us today, because obviously if we remember back two months ago to exit meeting week, the injury, the relationship with the training staff was something brought up by John Johnson, the third that he, he said he brought it up in the exit meeting that he didn't think that the players, the team had a good relationship with the training staff. He said he was advocating for more preventative things like yoga, flexibility, kind of thinking outside of the box a little bit. So Kevin Stefanski said he will be able to share more with us later in terms of some of the resources they're adding to the building. And the 
the way the question was asked was in context with what JJ3 told us in January. So we'll we'll have to stay tuned and see what comes of that because obviously the Browns were, you know, putting aside some of these injuries like like Jack Conklin's season-ending injury and and really these these unavoidable massive injuries. There were a lot of soft tissue injuries, especially in training camp. JJ3 had a soft tissue, a hamstring injury that kept him out of week 16 and 17, I think. So these guys, I think, kind of went through the gamut this year with that. So anything they can kind of do to prevent that and um, I, I think would be welcomed. And I'm curious to see what this is since since we didn't get any more details. <laughs> yeah, Mary Kay, when all that stuff kind of came out out of the exit interviews, was that, I mean, Kevin kind of said today that, that winning is a deodorant, which I don't think we were saying. I don't know if we've ever heard anybody use that terminology exactly. <laughs> winning is a deodorant, but kind of indicating that some of this stuff is a result of it was a really disappointing season but I mean were there were there things you heard on that last day that that kind of made you concerned about the state of this team yeah but to a certain extent I do agree with him that that winning cures everything I mean I'll tell you right now I mean if uh if Odell Beckham Jr. had had gone to the the Rams and they they weren't winning and he wasn't getting the ball. I mean, then, you know, then he's not the happy person that he, that we saw uh, winning does make everybody happy in the organization. It really does. That's why everybody was happy in 2020 when they were, uh, you know, winning and winning a playoff game for the first time in a million years. So I do think that that helps. However, I will say, I, I do think that um, I think the tone is going to have to be set by Baker. I listened to Joe Burrow a lot uh, when he was talking pre-Super Bowl and during the playoffs. And he said, I really believe that the culture and the tone of your football team and the personality of your football team is set by the quarterback. And he would talk, he talked about, you know, I would, you know, sit, just sit with some random guy in the cafeteria, whatever. So I think the tone is going to have to be set by Baker this year. And I think he's going to have to be uh, the absolute uh, unifier on this football team. And it's going to be up to him. He's going to have to come back ready to pull this team back together. And he's going to have to have an amazing attitude and he's going to have to be super positive and he's going to have to not criticize the coaching staff in a press, in a post-game press conference. He's going to have to not walk off the field after a game and not talk to anybody when they win and other things like that, that didn't show the type of positive leadership that the Browns are going to need. And also not playing in the final game may have rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, I'm not hundred percent certain about that yet, but it seems like there was a vibe of that. So I think it's going to come from him. And I think that he knows it. They've probably had those conversations. And, um, I, I think that that's probably one reason why Kevin feels like things will be better because the quarterback is going to take the, uh, the lead on that. I will say that does seem a little more difficult to me to do when the franchise is not committed to you long-term. Right. You're asking this guy, this guy has to come back in after a losing season where the offense and defense felt like they were divided in the locker room and he has to pull the team together on his fifth year option like that. I'm not saying he won't do it or can't do it, but when Joe Burrow is the mayor of Cincinnati and is a young quarterback who has, you know, plenty of time before he has to worry about that stuff. I just, it's a challenge, right? I don't, I don't, I'm not automatically assuming that that will happen because I do think it's kind of a big ask. No, it, it, it's not. In my opinion, it is absolutely not a big ask. And here's why that's your quarterback. 
and that quarterback is heading into the final year uh, potentially of a contract. And so he has to show that he deserves a long-term deal or at least another year after this year. So I don't think it's a big ask at all because uh, he has to show who he is, not only for the Cleveland Browns, but for whoever might employ him next. And, um, and you know, that's what Jimmy Garoppolo had to do. When they d- traded up to get Trey Lance, he had to come back with an amazing attitude and he still had to be the leader. He had to overcome the adversity of, I mean, my goodness, look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers said, you know, when, when, when they drafted a quarterback, you know, he drank whatever, four fingers of scotch or something like that, you know, I mean, it's tough when, when something like that happens, but, but that's what a quarterback is expected to do. You block out all the noise and you become the leader, your excellent leader of your football team, no matter what else is going on around you. And he has to do that. So, so is that the key then? The Browns need to draft somebody in the first round, a quarterback? Maybe. And then they'll get the best out of Baker Mayfield because it worked with Garoppolo. It worked with, with Aaron Rodgers. And Got we have MVP just a guy for the guy. job. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> first round quarterback. Kenny Pickett going to the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> we have just solved the Browns problem. Um, I did think there was, there was a line in Kevin Stefanski. I was trying to find it in the transcript. Unfortunately, I couldn't, but he mentioned that the next time he'll see Baker, he's hoping will be on April 18th. And there was another line in there that seemed to indicate to me that Kevin would really, really like Baker and everyone else to be there when things kick off in, in the off season in April and, and not have guys missing uh, that stretch that that was there was an answer in there and I again I was trying to scan through the transcript about what we were talking but it was something that stood out and I couldn't find it right here uh, while we were on but um, he's not allowed to say you have to be there obviously he's not allowed to compel people to be there but I do feel like there were a couple of little nuggets in there that made it sound like I'd really like it if you guys were here for OTAs and, and mini camp this year I think that would be really awesome so that's something. I, well, look, we love to take attendance at that thing, and I, we'll certainly be doing it um, when, when they come back. And it, it makes sense. I mean, given the other big exit interview week complaint from players was that lack of complimentary football, like we're talking about, and this lack of camaraderie between the offense and the defense. And the reality is, even if like sec groups of these guys get together in the, this early, you know, still ish portion of the offseason, they're not going to all be together in the same way. So as many of those guys, I think, in the building as possible will go a long way towards developing that camaraderie because they just can't do that right now, given league rules and the fact that it is the dead period of the offseason. All right. Well, it's not dead here because we're at the combine wonderful Indianapolis, Indiana. So that is our, our recap of the day. We will be back on Friday with more. Hey, maybe we should talk some more wide receivers on, on our Friday podcast. We really only spend time on Garrett Wilson in this one, but uh, tomorrow's a little bit of a, a not very Brown centric day uh, at the combine. So uh, maybe we'll, we'll dig back into the wide receivers for Friday's podcast. And if we I don't would say don't that there, there was an Anthony Schwartz story that was told today. Was that a recycled Anthony Schwartz story or a new Anthony Schwartz story from Kevin Stefanski? I think it was new. Okay. Yeah, we I could knew. talk about that on a later podcast because um, that was interesting. And that's a tease. All right. Well, <laughs> let's do that then. Let's talk wide receivers on our Friday pod. Okay. We'll wrap this one up for now for uh, Scott, Doug, Mary, Pan, Ashley, and Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>